Hello and welcome to another episode of the Property Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Gordon Doan, and today we're going to be talking about property viewings and how to deal with setbacks. But before we get into all that, I want to let you know about my last week. A few things I've done and a few things I've discovered. So the first thing that I've discovered, which I thought was really fantastic and will save me a bit of time in the future, is that you can pay checks into the bank via your phone. So this was really useful because I tend to only pop into town for a few things. It might need something from the shop or to pop into the bank usually um, to pay in the occasional check. But actually, um, I've discovered that yeah, certainly with my bank with Halifax, um, that you can use the app. You go into the app and there's a little icon in there that says deposit checks. Um, you take a quick picture of the front of the check and then a quick picture of the back of the check. And that processes it. It suggests you keep the um, checks for a couple of days to make sure it processes fine so there's no issues. Um, but I did that. I think I paid in three checks over the Christmas period. Um through various uh, for various reasons um, and they all went through fine which I thought was fantastic that's a, a really useful um, new way of doing something I hadn't done that before and um, like I say that's going to save me a bit of time in the future from popping into the bank the second thing I do um, that I did this week that I was quite um, pleased with um was actually a workout that I've done. So it's called the Deck of Cards workout and I've been doing it for a little time, but I've never done the whole, uh, through the whole deck of cards. So basically what the deck of cards workout is, is, um, obviously you take a deck of, uh, just playing cards, a deck of normal playing cards. And then what you do is assign each suite of the playing cards a different physical activity. So for example, um, what I had was I'd assign diamonds to push-ups, um, clubs to sit-ups, spades to burpees, and hearts to leg raises. And then I um, allocated each of the picture cards a different exercise as well. So for me, I chose um, if an ace came up, that would be a 30-second plank. If a king came up, that would be 20 mountain climbers. If queens came up, that would be 20 bicycle uh, bicycle crunches. And if jacks came up, that was 20 squats. So you go through, um, and basically what how you do it is you've got 30 seconds to perform however many of the exercise um, that's dictated by the suite. So if a um, nine of diamonds came up, I would do nine push-ups in the 30 seconds and then the rest of the time would be rest time. So if you did the nine push-ups in 15 seconds, you'd have 50 seconds rest. Um, so I've, I've, I've done this a number of times, but I've only ever got about halfway through before burning out and giving up. So uh, today I did the full deck of cards workout, which uh, practically killed me, which is why the podcast is being recorded a lot later than I normally would record it. It took me a little longer to recover than I thought. Uh, thought it would but that was a really useful workout so uh, I think it's important to work out and keep moving throughout the day so I've been trying to slowly increase my fitness and that's one of the ways I've been trying to do it so I was regularly doing it I do it two or three times a week I do half the deck um, so from now on I'm going to try and do the full um, deck of cards workout at least twice a week um, to try and improve my fitness. So those were two just think two quick things I just wanted to talk about before we got into the meat of the podcast because I thought they were useful and they might help others in the future. So the first thing that we're going to talk about today um, is uh, a property subject. It's about doing viewings. So 
there's a couple of key things that I found whilst doing my first um, viewings, um, and I've kind of created a tick list to make sure that I do all of these things in the future now. Um, the first, the first thing, the very first thing that I've learned is to make sure you do your research beforehand. So go online. Have a quick squiz through of all the details that you can find online. If there's any pictures, have a look through the pictures. If there's anything that looks slightly funny in the pictures that you want to check out in person, make a note of that so you don't forget when you're actually in the property. Um, if there's anything that you think you want to ask more questions about, if there's something in the text that you're not sure about, or if there's something that you just want to ask a bit more about, make a note, make a note of that so that when you're in the property, like I say, you don't forget and you can ask the agent or whoever's showing you around the property. The second thing to remember is to actually ask the agent or the vendor any questions that you have. So if you've written down um, some questions before in your research, make sure you ask those. Um, and as you go around, they're there to help you. So don't forget to ask questions. The first couple I did, I, I kind of um, did the viewing without asking too many questions and then went away and kind of came up with a list of questions. And I thought, wouldn't it have just been easier to ask these questions while I was going around the property because the agent could have clarified while we were on the site um, and made the whole process a bit easier. So they're there to help you. So don't forget to ask your questions as you go around the property or before you leave. The third thing is to take plenty of pictures. So although there may be um, a few pictures on the website or on the uh, sheet of information you've got from the estate agents, don't forget to take some pictures yourself. So take some pictures of the rooms that there are pictures of on the website. Um, take some pictures of the decoration and the state of the property. Take some pictures of the garden to help you remember what that looks like in the future. Um, and all these pictures can be used in the future to A, remind you about what the property looks like. Because if you're viewing lots of property, it's easy to get confused. So it's handy to have your own photos to rely on and it can, they can also be used to uh, value any um, refurb and things that need to happen in the future so if, if you've got those pictures it's much easier than having to arrange a second viewing because you, uh, you need to get in again there's nothing wrong with having a second viewing if you want to make sure of a few things so so do feel free to do that but it's just easier for your initial calculations if you've got all that information to hand straight away the next thing to remember is to draw a floor plan. So a lot of properties now uh, on the online estate agents, especially uh, come with floor plans drawn on the details. So that's, that's all good. But if you've not got the floor plans provided for you, just do a little jot of the floor plan as you walk around the property. Uh, the first viewing I did, I forgot to do this and I tried to draw it up afterwards to remind myself of the room layout and, and think how best I would set the house up. But I drew drew my picture and then thought, actually, when I'd looked at the completed picture that I'd drawn, although I'm not very good at art anyway, so it was never going to be a masterpiece, it didn't reflect. I, I looked at it and I thought, no, that's just not right. That The rooms weren't quite laid out like that. The doors aren't in the right place. So I had another go. And um, that it still didn't feel right. So I went and did another viewing and drew it properly. And it was miles away from what I'd drawn for, based on my memory. Um, so it's easier just to do that while you're there. So I always make sure now when I go and do any any um, viewings that I make sure I draw that floor plan. It doesn't, like I say, it doesn't have to be a masterpiece, just a quick squiggle in the corner of a page on a clipboard or something. Um, just a really small where the doors are, the rough size of the rooms in um, comparison to each other. So you've got that layout and that information available. Um, so that's, that's, a, uh, that's something that's going to help you out uh, if you do that as you go around. 
The last thing to remember as you go around is to take your time. The, like I said before, the agents or the vendors are there to help you out and to sell, sell the house ultimately. So feel free. Don't be rushed. Don't feel free to make sure that you look at everything that you want to look at. If you get around the property and you think, Oh, I'd just like to check something else out. Go and do that. Again, it's going to save you time in the future instead of having to come back and have another, another view in. So. That, those are all key things to remember during the property viewing. The, the final thing, uh, which I think is also really important, is to kind of have a spreadsheet uh, ready to go uh, that you take with you to note down any refurbs that happen. And I've kind of taken this separately um, than the other ones because you kind of need that spreadsheet ready to go uh, before before you get into the property. Uh, it's good, all good and well trying to remember to, to look at each of these things as, as you go through the property, but you're bound to forget one as I did. Um, so kind of have a spreadsheet ready. Um, I've created a little spreadsheet that I use, which I'll put up on the website. So feel free to pop over to the, um, the, pop, the propertyentrepreneurpodcast.com website. Um, have a look on the blog um, and I'll pop a link on there to the spreadsheet I use, but feel free to change it if you think oh, you need to add some things or change the word slightly. feel free to use it for yourself. If you've got something that already works for you, then great. But that list should include things like um, is the carpet or the flooring good? Does that does that need to be replaced in any of the rooms? Are the fixtures and fittings all there and are they all good? And again, that's throughout the house. Is the kitchen sound? Does it need any new units? Does it need any new doors on the units? That kind of thing. Is the bathroom fine? Does there need, does there any chip tiles that I'll need to replace in? Is the shower and the bath in working order? Uh, are there any light decorating that needs to be done throughout the house? So does, is, is, does the previous occupant, um, damage the walls in any way as they've been moving furniture about? Have they painted a room bright pink that you don't think is going to be suitable for, for the new tenants? Does it need any light decorating? So, like I say, that's pictures replaced, tiling replaced, painting um, touched up and redone, the stair banisters, things like that. Is that all good? Um, the next thing, windows and doors, are they all good in good condition? Are they all uh, airtight, uh, watertight? Have a look at the condition of those. And the last thing there as well is heating, just to make sure what type of heating's in the property. Has it got a boiler with uh, uh, central heating? Is it storage heaters? Um, whichever version of the heating it is, are they in good working order? Do they all work? Are there heaters in all the rooms that you'd expect the heaters to be in? So it's just a little checklist of the basic things um, that to, to, to remind yourself what needs doing. Now, it would be a completely different list for a complete refurb. So if a house needs gutting, that's a completely different scenario. And um, we'll cover that in a separate episode in the future at some point. But this is just kind of for light refurbishment, just to get the property up to a lettable or livable standard. Um, so it's just those basic things. So like I say, I'll pop that um, spreadsheet up on the website. Go, go over and have a look and feel free to use it. Feel free to change it. Um, I'll just run through each of those steps again for you. So if you're making a list, you've, you've got those. So the first one was to do your research before before you go to the viewing. The second one was to ask your agent or vendor any questions you have whilst you're in the property. Um, the third one was to take plenty of pictures as you go, go around the property and the garden. The fourth one was to draw the floor plan. 
The fifth one was to take your time going around the property. And the sixth one was to note any of the light refurbishments that may need to happen uh, to bring the property up to a lettable or livable condition. So that was the property viewings that I wanted to talk about. Um, what we'll do now is get into how to deal with setbacks. So the important thing to remember with setbacks is that everybody has setbacks. It's not just you. Everybody, absolutely everybody has a setback at some point or another, or indeed a number of setbacks. So that that's always key to remember straight off the bat is that it's not just you. Everybody goes along the same journey, no matter what it is, whether it's with property or, or other business or fitness or, or whatever it might be, there's always setbacks. The, the first thing I wanted to talk about when it comes to setbacks, though, is why why does it seem that when you finally get going, something bad happens? You have that setback. It's it just happens. You you finally start doing all the right stuff. So you, you think, oh, I'm finally doing the right things. I'm finally putting in the work. I'm finally uh, putting in the effort. I'm finally getting there. And then this setback happens, and you think, well, why why is it that that happens? I've just just got going. I'm really putting the effort in. So I don't, I shouldn't really be having these setbacks. What I found is that what what you're doing is you're reaping the benefit or indeed the disbenefit of what you sowed before you started putting in the work or the effort. So for example, um, I took up a boxing last, uh, last year. I did uh, a boxing uh, charity, amateur boxing fight for charity uh, crazy things for do. If you've ever seen me, I am definitely not a boxer, but I thought I'd have a go at it. So I started doing the boxing training and my first few sessions that I had were really good, were really positive. I really enjoyed them. And then about the fourth or fifth session that I'd had, it kind of ramped up a notch and I got seriously hurt. So the guy absolutely beat me, which was fine. It was all in, it was all in the gym in a safe environment. So it was never a problem. Just took some pain. And you think, Oh, why? I wasn't, I wasn't really looking forward to the pain bit of it. I wasn't looking forward to it hurting and I wanted to quit. And I thought, well, what, what I'm kind of reaping there is the disbenefit of me not being fit up until that point. Now I've only just started trying to get fit for the boxing. I've only just started doing the exercises and workouts for the training, but the person that I'd been fighting who was better for me had been training by the looks of him his whole life. So he'd reap the benefits. So I was tired out and, and worn out just as he was getting going. So what I had learned was that actually the, the problem that I had was not doing the training prior to that point. So all I've been doing is reaping the benefits of what I'd done before I'd got going. So that was just a different way that I'd started to look at things. The, the other thing around that is that I actually heard somebody say, and I think it might have been Josh Hatch on um, one of his conferences that he talks at. Um, I think it was Josh. It might have been somebody else. But he said, um, compound interest on success doesn't kick in for two or three years after you put in consistent action. So what he's saying is you need to do two or three years of consistent action. So that's grinding, that's working for two or three years on whatever it is you're trying to achieve until your compound interest kicks in. Now, I really like the idea of compound interest on success because the way most people look at life is that the more successful somebody is, 
the luckier they get. And that's usually the case. They, the more effort somebody's put in, they, they've positioned themselves to take advantage of more opportunities. And that, I think, is what, uh, certainly what I interpreted. It's that compound interest on success. So by starting to do my workouts and getting, doing what I should be for that, I'm going to be in a much better place than I am a couple of years ago. And if I keep them up and I keep, well, I will keep them up and I will keep them going, I'm going to be in a much better place in another year or two's time. So I'm going to start having less fitness issues and problems. So that, that's why one of the reasons I'm doing the deck of cards workout to try and keep that going because that's an achievable thing for me to be able to do that. So I thought that was interesting take on um, success and the setbacks. The second thing I, uh, I wanted to take into account for, and I just touched on it slightly, was it's it's not really what happens to me. It's changing your mindset slightly, and I've had to do this, and it's been quite challenging to do this, was it's not what happens to me, it's what happens for me. So if something kind of negative happens to you as a setback, so like, for example, I got injured, what can you take away from that as a positive? So I th- so what I took away from the boxing experience was I definitely need to put more effort into my fitness and my general health. And actually, it kind of put me in the right mindset. So actually, if if I don't do the training properly and I don't learn the proper techniques and, and, and learn everything that the instructors are trying to teach me, I could actually seriously get hurt in the long run in the actual fight on fight night. So there's... There's some real mindset thing there in terms of, like I say, thinking about what's happened for me instead of what's happening to me. There's a chap called uh, Inky Johnson. He was uh, an American football player. He's got a, a phenomenal story. His his kind of background was he, he always grew up wanting to go to D1, which is Division 1 in American football. That was his dream, his goal. He started playing uh, from a really young age. He got into college and was playing at college. And he got to a place where he was in the final draft for his first NFL pick. So he, uh, I think he was in the top 10. So he was a guarantee, guaranteed multi-millionaire. Whatever position he was picked in, he was going to do it. Uh, he was going to become, become have those deals automatically given to him from how good he was. In, in the last game in that, uh, kind of those tryouts, so, uh, whatever they call it, um, he seriously got injured and he uh, lost the use of one of his arms. So he just couldn't couldn't play football anymore. So check check him out on YouTube. He's got a couple of videos and some phenomenal stories that he's put up of his journey. And now he's a one of the world's best motivational speakers. He goes around and he's kind of got a different calling now. And instead of doing the football, he does he can train a lot of athletes but he kind of focuses on something else. And he always talks about, He, I was watching what moved me and what's relevant to this conversation is that I heard him uh, in an interview and the interviewer asked him, you know, if, if you could do do the time again, would you have missed that game or would you have done something slightly different to to change the outcome? And he was, no, absolutely not. I wouldn't change anything for the world because actually it's made me a much stronger person Okay, so I'm not doing what I thought I would be doing, but I'm doing something just as interesting, just as that I'm just as excited and just as passionate about, but it's made me a much stronger person in the process. So if you can change that mindset slightly, that's really going to help you. Um, the next thing to do with setbacks is, um, is you need to be aware that to, to progress and to succeed, um, you need momentum. 
But you want to be wary of negative momentum. Now, I was really guilty of this. I still am to a certain extent. And I need to, uh, I'm trying at the moment to get myself out of these cycles. And, and what I'm talking about when I'm, when I say negative momentum is don't let one bad thing ruin your whole day or become a string of bad things. So, for example, um, a workout example could be, um, uh, I missed the gym today. So I don't need to eat healthily. So I'm going to have a takeaway meal instead. Uh, and then I'm not going to walk the dog for as long because I'm not feeling as good because I haven't been to the gym. So instead of just having one bad decision or one negative thing happen, because maybe it was outside of your control, you couldn't go to that gym. But don't let that spiral out into a number of other bad decisions or results. So it's just changing that, that mindset. Focus again on the small wins, which we've mentioned before. Another thing that's worth thinking about is that, I don't know, it's quite cliche to say it, but I I do believe this is success isn't a destination, it's a journey. So you've got to go on your journey and you've got to get through your get-throughs to get to where you're going. So whatever setbacks you, you, you happen to have, you've got to get those, get through those to get to the next level and get to the success that you're after. And if you can deal with those setbacks uh, appropriately and positively, that in itself is a success and is a small win. So I think that's a real thing to keep in mind. Uh, The last thing is that um, people compare themselves quite often to what they see on social media. So the thing that I keep in mind when I'm looking at social media is that social media usually is a highlight reel. So people only post their most positive stuff, their successful stuff. You very rarely see people who post their bad days. Um, so all those people that look really successful, who, who are really successful, they've had just as many setbacks and bad days, but you don't see don't usually see those so much on social media because it's just the positive stuff you tend to see so there's a there's a saying here um which is the uh, comparison is the thief of joy so you shouldn't compare yourself to others because if you even if you've done something really positive but you compare yourself to somebody else and maybe they've been doing it for twice as long as you so they've achieved twice as much in that time frame you're going to be left feeling fairly negative about that. So for example, one of the things I'm doing with this podcast is a couple of people have asked me today uh, and over the last few days, um, what what are your listener rates? How many people are listening to each episode? Um, Have you got enough people listening? Um, And I've actually said, I'm not looking at the numbers, uh, certainly not for a while anyway. I don't want to be scoreboard watching. So I don't want to be watching, oh, yep, I've got 500 listeners to an episode. I want to try and get that to 700 listeners and then get that to 800 listeners. All I want to be focused on at the moment is getting the podcast podcast out on time and delivering hopefully valuable content for your guys so i'm more than happy to take feedback on the content and if you want got suggestions for other ideas let me know so that i can help you out as much as possible but i don't want to be scoreboard watching in terms of the numbers of the podcast because it doesn't matter to me whether five people are listening to the podcast hopefully it's more than that but it doesn't matter to me if five people are listening to the podcast or five thousand people are listening to the podcast it's just going to kind of start me comparing myself to other podcasts and other media that's out there. And I don't really, that's not the game I'm in. I don't really be, want to be watching that. So I'm sure I'll crack at some point just from sheer curiosity and I'll want to find out. But don't forget that comparison is the thief of joy. So 
that's all I wanted to talk about today, really. So that's covered the property viewings and how to deal with setbacks. So to summarize everything that we've talked about there. So in terms of property viewings, don't forget to do your research beforehand. Don't forget to ask the agent or vendor any questions that you have. Don't forget to take plenty of pictures as you go around the property. Draw a floor plan if you've not got one. Don't forget to note any refurbs that needs to happen. And importantly, take your time. And in dealing with setbacks, um, don't let, uh, the most important thing is don't let one bad thing or one setback turn into a string of bad things and ruin your day. Try and have a real positive mindset. Focus on those small wins. So that's it for today. I hope you've enjoyed that and I hope you found that useful. Head over to the Facebook page and leave us some feedback. Drop me an email if you need some help um, or want to have some suggestions for future topics. Let me know. So stop listening to me. Get out there. Arrange some viewings. Get your checklists ready to go. And hopefully you'll have fewer setbacks. Thanks for listening. See you next week.